All right, guys, welcome back to the Natty Scene podcast. Um, we have another guest interview today with the awesome Ali Stewart. Uh, Ali is a guy that I've been looking up to, to as like a huge inspiration over, over the years. I think I first saw him in 2016 at the Southern, the BMBF Southern, where he won the overall and just blown away by the amount of muscularity that you can have as a natural athlete and really showing what is possible. I think obviously coming back this year with with plenty of improvements and showing that you know you can continue to improve when you're already at that point is, is something that's absolutely awesome. And since his recent success, he took the overall at the UK DFBA show, the most recent qualifier. So that's super exciting and obviously it's going to be one of the main contenders for the British finals in both BNBF and UKDFBA this year, which so it's a it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, Ali. Um, I hope you're okay, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on, dude. No problems. Cool. So, for any people that aren't aware of you or haven't heard of you before, um, could you just give us a little bit of background on yourself, potentially what you do outside? Obviously, I've mentioned your bodybuilding caliber and, and where you're at from that perspective, but give people a bit of an idea as to who you are, what you do, you know, I know you've got family life going on, etc. So, yeah, just give a little bit of background on yourself, mate. So, um, uh, I'm one of sort of three boys. Uh, I've got two older brothers, so we're always kind of super competitive. I'm the youngest one. Cool. Always vying for attention and stuff and food and things. So, kind of being pretty active from day one sure. uh, was, always, uh, was quite important. Yeah. Uh, the rugby, just generally being relatively physical all the way through sort of being teenage and then um, you're kind of getting into weights pretty early on. I just I think I was quite aware of my uh, my shape at kind of 12, 13, 14 of having my barbells at home and stuff like that. Yeah. I just all loved it. And then um, I think I got to probably about 18, 19 and it just sort of started clicking in that I'm just taking this a bit more seriously. I kind of like Always been slim, and uh, but just you know, managed to have uh, abs and pecs and things like that where maybe friends and things didn't. So it's something that was always just there, and then I started taking care of it a bit more. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at twenty, uh, I started training a bit more seriously. I met a guy, uh, still very good friends with a guy called Peter Clark. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's competed for a long, long time with the NPA, what used to be the A and B back in the day, and has been a British heavyweight champion a few times, sort of all through the 90s. Sure. Just to stumble across him in Twickenham, and he's just always kind of like taking any kind of way from Australia that's willing to, to keep up with him, with yeah. the weight training and stuff like that. And this guy was awesome. I just kept looking at his forearms, thinking it looked like a roadmap of veins and, uh, and always just all year round shape. And he's still going now, he's in his 60s, I think. I think he still judges the NBA as well as a Masters um, uh, pro. Um, and for six years, I trained with him, five days a week, just solidly, just smash food. I'm absolutely kind of like, mate, why didn't you do a show? I said, yeah, we're kids, yeah, I could do that. Uh, first NPA show in 2006, won that as a novice, got third in the Britain, and just got the bug. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Um, so always kind of there and thereabouts with regards to training and, and looking kind of decent and trying to sort of have a bit of a physique, but 
Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a late bloomer. Maybe compared to yourself, I think you started a fair bit earlier than me. Yeah. I probably really didn't hit a stride until maybe 21, 22-ish and started kind of really pushing things forward. Sure. Uh, now, um, I've kind of I've had various other jobs in the world, but in the last kind of uh, 10 or 12 years, I've been competing and then moving forward into now owning my own gym for the last five years. Wicked. Uh, which is awesome, should have done this years ago, should yeah. have worked pretty well. And uh, <laughs> kept up with the bodybuilding. And uh, I think probably in the last five years is where I've really taken it a lot more seriously. Yeah. I think I kind of did it, and I mean, I was happy I had children as well, and just sort of had a life. And it was kind of fine, and I was sort of doing all right. But by the, the 2013 one, for me, was a turning point. Uh, first time at the world, got a second heavyweight to the Britons, and I've realised, you know what, maybe uh, maybe I'm alright at this, and I can maybe take it further, so definitely the last five years is ramped up for me, where I've embraced the whole industry, and kind of bodybuilding naturally as a whole. Sure, absolutely, I mean, so when, when was your first show, Ali, when did you actually get involved in competitive bodybuilding outside of just sort of eating and training? So that was in 2006, I did the... Uh, Southeast, whatever it was, regional for the NPA. Um, I sort of decided I was going to do that in about 2004. So, having had some conversations with Novi, and he's just, you know, why don't you do this? You know, you put some good mass on. And I think probably from 21 to 24 years old, I must have put probably 20 kilos of lean mass on. And that was really my fifth phase. I went from, yeah, kind of 75 to about 95 kilos in a few years. Wow. Uh, and and that was it, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to push it a little bit more and just really kind of hone it. So for, then, for pretty much two years, I kind of had this while well, competing in two years' time. And that's it, so I really started working from being a bit of a unit to trying to look a bit more like a bodybuilder. Really start working on weaker bits and, uh, and you know, spending a bit more time on nutrition and things like that. So, yeah, so 2006, I did my very first one. Um, I still have some pictures. I think my mum still has a few pictures up from that one. I still like it. Yeah. Because I look at them and go, I don't look that bad. I'm all right. You know? wouldn't have it's done. Yeah. Lacking conditioning, but the whole size and shape is basically there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just showing how your level of dedication to, to building the tissue required for the sport was, was just there. And I think it's, you know, especially for someone like me who compares, compares myself to sort of that process, I think... It, it's more difficult because I caught the bug so early it's it's hard it's harder to stay away from the stage and to to spend that time you know that four years five years of just basically just growing and getting your tissue there um, yeah. but for you obviously it, it's massively paid off because you know now you wouldn't have been at the level of muscularity that you're at right now without that sort of foundation level of, of building tissue which I think yeah people like myself are potentially missing out on that phase because of the rise of teen junior bodybuilding classes, etc. that yeah. sort of suck you in so early, um, which is in some limelights a good thing and in some limelights a bad thing, for sure. Um, so when when you first started sort of training and dieting for that first show, um, what would you look back on now and sort of say from like maybe a, a, a training perspective, what would you say your thoughts have changed over the years in terms of training or has that remained fairly fairly similar in terms of your approach? Uh, no, my training has changed 
so much over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the basic principles of, uh, of just like progressive overload uh, yep. were always there. Yep. But it's just uh, a level of adherence and a bit of understanding. I used to do uh, a split that was a kind of a proper bro split. It's five days a week, took the weekends off, and I do uh, chest and tries, back and buys, shoulders and calves, and legs. And sure. then whatever you did on the Monday, you repeat on the Friday. So every every four weeks, you kind of go around that cycle. And, and that's what I did for a really long time. And you can't argue with the fact that it absolutely works. Yeah. It um, and my food side of things is I basically just ate. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't count macros. I didn't really, you know, I've always had a great appetite, you know, growing up so with, with older brothers and a few stepbrothers as well and a big family. And it was just, you know, piling with big meals and things. And I've always had a massive appetite. So I think that has a huge part to play in it. Yeah. Uh, and quite a freeing sort of sense of just, you just eat and train. And, and just kind of get on with it. And, but I mean, looking back now, yeah, I mean, I, I track all my training, so I write things down. Uh, I, you know, I'm much more progressive. You know, did I get one rep more, two reps more this time? Can I go up a little bit? Um, you know, I, sure. I, I, do you logbook you know, in your sessions? Do you take Do you take a logbook into your sessions, or do you do yeah. you remember? No, you do. Okay, cool. Yeah, everything. So yep. I never used to uh, until about. Two, well, I think when I yeah, I did my first show in 2006, and then I took a year off to put some size on, I did, I, I went about 10 kilos heavier, um, and I started to note things down, and that was the, just the beginnings of it all, in yeah. kind of 2008 show, I did the BNBF, and I went to heavyweights, and, uh, and, and it, yeah, it definitely made a difference, you just start to take note of those things, and I was kind of a bit more aware of how much I was eating, I was trying to regulate it a little bit more, because I was thinking, maybe we should take this more seriously. Even dieting for the first shows, I didn't record a thing. I just kind of like, well, I've just eaten a little bit less, you know. Yeah. You're not going to sort of say, ah, just bring your carbs down a little bit, do some CV, yeah. and look for your weight to come down. And, I mean, you know you prep loads of people, so you know inherently it's not much more complex It's a simplistic process, yeah. <laughs> but, it's just, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't tracking anything, and then... I just remember someone sort of saying, oh, I should have definitely a bit more fat as you start getting leaner. So I just swapped out loads of meals for mackerel instead. Oh, just God. <laughs> mackerel instead of chicken. And just oh, eat no. that. And I was still getting leaner. So it was yeah. doing something. But sure. no idea what I was having. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, have I looked back now, I would have loved to have paid more attention at the earlier phases. Um, and... And they've gone at it a bit more technically. Yes. I wish I would, I obviously, I think I wish I had started bodybuilding when I was 20 properly. Yep, yep, yep. And doing what I do now then, because I think, I think, well, how much better could I have been sooner? Yep, absolutely. Um, maybe not at all, I don't know. I just, but yeah. I wish I'd done that a little bit, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to sort of now and today with your training and diet, what what would you say are your general? I mean, I saw you post up yesterday one of like your sort of your uh, IG stories, very simplistic approach to uh, your your training session, your diet, etc. Uh, and I know that you know you like to make things simple and not overcomplicate things, which I think is great. So, what would you say from like just a training standpoint at the moment? How do you tend to set up your training week? Um, what do you sort of look for from a frequency perspective? Um, and how are you going in and sort of planning out your sessions at the moment in terms of training? 
Okay. Um, so what I've sort of come to the conclusion with, from used to doing the bro splits, and probably up until, I'm going to say 2011-12, I was very much still doing just chest day, back day, legs day, that sort of thing. Of course. And yeah. Clearly, it was working fine. I was going mm. to a reason. But um, after 2013, when I got to the point, I think, I want to find some more. What what can I do to find some more? So I did a lot of education. Uh, went back to university. Did some uh, oh, wow. then diploma, uh, and and learned a lot more stuff. And started looking at the notion of frequency. And through that, I then started kind of double body part splitting for a few years. So from just going from one part, you know, once a week to now hitting it, trying to get it twice. Yeah, and then. It was kind of working that balance with trying not to do like a massive 25 set press session twice a week instead of doing it once a week, which is what I was doing, is, is trying to break that mold a little bit of going, why am I doing uh, like two 12 sets kind of in the week? So yeah. look at those extra little bits. And that's why I've been running for the last few years. And then, um, like anything, you can just, you can train for so long and I said, well, maybe is there more? Maybe is there more to come? So maybe again, if I reduce my volume again and, uh, and increase my frequency again, so now uh, my weaker body parts are going to get three times a week. And I don't want to try that for a while. And I just think, well, I don't think I'm going to go backwards. And I'm still lifting heavy weights and eating a load of food, so I've got to just see, is that possible? Can I do that and not get injured? And this is just how I look at things. And maybe I'll go with it while I go to know that's rubbish. Uh, I'll go back to what I've done before. Mm. But I definitely think um, a volume frequency thing is, is a lot more prevalent these days. I think that the days of the bro splits are long since gone for peak effectiveness yeah. for people who want to get the most out of themselves. For, for normal people who just want to train a bit, I think you can absolutely get some amazing results still, or certainly some significant results. So that's how my training has changed more recently. And actually, it's only been the last two or three months that I've just done up as and lows. Okay. Just, well, I still have to take my weekends off. I have two young boys who are kind of nearly 10 and 7. Uh, mm. wife, uh, I work long hours in my gym. Yes. So I don't work weekends. I don't do anything about that other than maybe client check-ins, which doesn't really count as work, I don't think, because I just kind of smash those out. Yeah. Uh, so I have to condense it into five days, which is ideal. I preferably like like a Wednesday and maybe a Saturday off or something. Sure, like that, yeah. Move my training around a little bit. Um, but I mean, I've done some quite extreme stuff. I, I followed Mike Mentzer for a couple of years as well. And I was oh, training yeah. one and a half times a week. <laughs> and I say one and a half times, so I would either train Monday and Friday. Yeah. And then Wednesday the next week. Wow, yeah. If I was doing an all over body workout one and a half times a week. Not a lot really changed. No, yeah. The fact that I was, well, in one side of things, less chronically injured, so I picked up less niggles, mm. but then when I did pick up an injury, it would probably be more profound because um, you do such intense sessions on those bits. If you've ever followed any of Mike Mentor's stuff, he does the, uh, this sort of high intensity, like loads of eccentric and yes. just kick it the muscle, yeah. you know, really beat it right up, yeah. uh, it does leave you open to get a bit hurt. I mean, Dory Yates is testament to that. 
you know, he, he loved that kind of training, but yes. he tore biceps and triceps and pecs and all sorts of things. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, yes, we've tried all sorts, but I really like this frequency thing. I like the simplicity of, right, I'm just going to do a handful of sets on each bit, and then my legs will get hit, and I'll do it. And it's just quite nice, even if it's nothing better than the monotony of having done the same routine for maybe two years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can totally resonate with you on that. I think, you know, coming myself initially from a, a, a bro split with lower frequency, coming on to higher frequency, I've tried upper lowers, I've tried pushable legs, I've tried a hybrid of both. Um, I've never tried training one and a half times a week, though. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, 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 know, I know with the way... I'm imagining the way that you like to train is like you like the higher intensity stuff you like taking sets with a fairly close proximity to failure is that correct yeah yeah definitely yeah. um not on all of my sets again something i've realized with the increased uh frequency that i do need to back off some of the advanced sets yeah some fatigue management there yeah my, my bro split stuff actually do you know what with the bro split stuff, i didn't really do a lot of that Okay. It, what, it's more recently, I've, I've been uh, more regularly, I say recently in the last sort of four or five years, been using things like drop sets and stuff. But something I've always manipulated um, is tempos and rep ranges. Okay, yeah. So all the time, so um, even in my growth split stuff, I was doing a week of heavy and then I'd do a week of high repping. Yes. And then I'd do a week of um, slow reps. So uh, five up, five downs. And even that itself is enough different stimulation to kind of beat you up in a very different way uh, and then every now and again like every probably six weeks I chuck a week of GVT I mean you do GVT leg day and you feel that for yes. age yeah. you know? so uh, I'm not as, as much as I purport that I'm kind of very simplistic in what I do uh, I think still in the outset if you actually looked at everything I did on paper you can go well yeah I mean that's still quite advanced it's just that the distribution of lifting things is is now less complex. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So moving away from training and moving more so onto diet, how has your diet since sort of the the days of estimating and just sort of going on a whim and adding things because someone said so, etc. How has things changed since then? What would you say now from from a general perspective of both on season and uh, off season, how is your approach to diet looking? What would you say your predominant sort of values and ethics are when it comes to to diet and that setup? Okay, so definitely in the earlier years, I was quite happy with um, a bulk and a cut phase again, which is a slightly older school notion of sure. as long as I was kind of making sure that I was eating four or five times a day, and I did very little with regards to supplementation, probably in the first five, six years of training, I would just eat. Classic example would have been, I go to work, I know I've got maybe get two or three meals in, it would have been a box of pasta like this, um, one of those carbonara sauces in, whole packet of bacon gone in, and that's two or three meals. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and, and just would have been, God knows what the macros were. That Lots. Was just it. <laughs> you know, and Nando's half chicken and a double rice, and that was a kind of a meal, and it yeah. would last a while. Um, I think post 2008, I was starting to take it a bit more seriously. I was going to do 2010, but I picked up a nasty injury, uh, did a disc in my neck, oh, which sure. knocked me for four years. So I was just 
I was a bit sort of instinctual-ish. I didn't really track, but kind of kept training whilst I could. But then on my comeback in kind of 2012, I was very much now looking at the numbers and kind of like, okay, this much protein here, this much carbs there. Sure. Um, as I've moved forward, I have now realised the benefit of the higher carb stuff and dieting higher carb, where before I would probably be a little more um, uh, even, you know, kind of like 40, 40, 20s yeah. kind of things. Um, I've probably reduced proteins a fair bit um, and increased my carbs a fair bit. And when I tend to diet now, I, I go relatively low fat. Um, and there's arguments to uh, against each way of doing whatever it is, my body loves carbs. Sure. I, I train very well on them. It's not saying I don't go to low points because uh, it's not it's not uh, fixed. You know, so where I start my diet to where I'm dieting by 12 weeks to where I'm dieting, you know, say between now and the Britain, very different setups and the way that yep. my body can deal with things. And actually, what I tend to do is. I tend to be a higher protein, sort of moderate carb, as I'm kind of really trying to drive the fat down. Getting the initial really bits off, yeah. I never go much lower than about 300 grams of carbs a day, though. So whether you call that high or low, for me that's low. That's for you low. that's low, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I'm kind of going in between um, the qualifiers and the Britons. I think I'm on maybe 550 a day. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. some people are like crying over that mate but yeah I understand <laughs> um, for me that's that's okay I know in a week or two when my kind of my sort of CV and output just starts catching up with like glycogen levels dropping off a bit yeah. even that's going to start stinging soon um, so in a week or two I know I'm going to start clucking my eye will start twitching high hmm. um, for me is maybe 7 7.50 yeah, is so that what you saw of running your off season? That closer to those numbers? Uh, well, I started my off season. It depends massively on whether I'm planning on competing. Okay. So I really drive food as high as I can, uh, and try to keep it really similar to sort of my cut food, but just more of it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So I started my cut this year at five thousand one hundred calories. Nice. So. Um, I was kind of like 97-ish kilos, 5,000, I don't even know if I'm split or something like that, definitely quite a lot. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably about 750 carbs, I think, and yeah. then maybe 300 and something proteins and maybe about 100 fats. Yeah. Uh, and that was, for me, that was just steadily gaining a little bit of weight. Mm. Uh, not particularly fast, but sure, actually, if you want. Uh, I'm a sure. bit anal, but if you look at this board, can you see, <laughs> you know, uh, no, let's do that way. So that's kind of like tracking weights and carbs and calories and stuff like that, just okay. throughout uh, my prep stuff. Yes. And uh, you know, I like to look and go, you know, maybe even if I change the supplement, does that make my weight change? Does that anything? And I, and I, I take it. So this is, uh, yeah, going right back to the 21st of August okay. um, last year. So this is where I'm really starting to think about. You know, it was my weight pushing up and that sort of thing. Like a year uh, out, pretty much. Yeah, I, I took 2017 as a, as a seriously, uh, proper serious year of off-season. Yeah. And if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I wasn't really off, particularly, um, because I was I was really geared up and like, I did well in 2016, but not well enough. I really yeah. need to knuckle down. 
And I do think that sometimes um, you just need to be that way. I think you just need to be super, super focused on, on the task at hand. And, and it's where I truly believe that I've managed to improve since 2016 because I it was extremely calculated. Um, I did make, you know, every single step of food was on purpose. Um, all weights and measures were tracked. Um, I carried on a little bit of CV still the whole way through the year to keep conditioning on. Um, and as nice as it is just to kind of eat whatever and be free with it, I think if you're going to be quite a serious bodybuilder and you want to, you, you know, you're in your like upper 90% of genetic potentials, if you want to get those last few percents out, yeah, uh, especially when you're, I would say someone like me who's not particularly genetically gifted, I was a small kid, you know, this, my, my dad's like a six foot 11 stone science Nerd, and my mum was like a five foot two, weighs about seven stone, ex teacher. You know, wow. Very, yeah. Not 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 big. There's no one big in my family. Wow, anyway. that's surprising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just think you know, I was thinking everything I've got, I've earned. And 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 when I, you get to a point, like I said, when you I put twenty kilos of mass on in four years, and maybe went up to most of my size. But if you want that a little bit more, I think you really have to really dig and find it. Unless yeah. you're just, you know, freakishly massive naturally, like, I don't know, there's a handful of guys. Um, Rich Gosdecki, yeah. I mean, the guy, an absolute beast, who yeah. just seems to just get bigger looking at a protein show. Uh, <laughs> that is not me. Yeah. So I definitely spent a lot more time now. Uh, last year really really paying attention to food sure and what where where did your weight get to sort of peak off season above contest weight do you do you see do you see the benefit in staying sort of slightly leaner at your level of of competition or do you did you push your body weight up quite significantly above stage weight in that phase so this year i went up to 97 um and I think I was in a relatively lean state there. I definitely could still see my abs and stuff. There's okay. a little bit of quads and hamstring separation, a small amount. Uh, a light bit of vascularity in the arms, yeah. you know, kind of pumped up. Um, certainly, I wouldn't have a problem walking down the beach like that. And, nice. and generally being off-season, I was, you know, fine. I would call it a T-shirt, good. Yes. Uh, I think when I competed between 2015 and 16. I didn't go north of about 92, but I'd come off one prep um, into another one. Mm. I didn't do it very well in 2015. I had a nasty knee injury that really had me back. Mm. Um, so I started that a bit lighter, but I wanted to put some mass on. So I had to be a little bit, come on, I'm going to have to put a bit of timber on the frame. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been up to about 105 kilos before wow. in off season. And again... Because you're sort of biggish, you hold it fine. Yes, but yeah, yeah. Don't look good with it. Again, just about an evidence of maybe the top two, about four abs you could just yeah. about see. Um, I don't need, what I've realised, I don't need to be that heavy. Don't need that weight, that was, yeah. You know, I, I know for me that, irrespective of how conditioned or whatever, I sort of compete at somewhere around 85, 86 kilos, okay. depending on the carb status. And I think over the last few years, it's not massively changed. I just think your shape changes. You know, you know that if you put half a kilo of muscle on, it's quite a significant difference. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe I put a, a kilo, 
maybe kill it a bit on in between the last two shows, which for me was uh, was a huge uh, improvement. Yeah, but, you massive. know, the overall net weight, by the time you trim a little bit of fat down, you still weigh the same. So I don't see, for me, there's not much point going anywhere north of sort of 95, 96 kilos. About That's 10 like kilos peak, off stage. 97.4. Yeah, I went 97.4 by about uh, mid-end of March, had a holiday, and then came back. So I knew that I had the best part of two stone to come off. I got 12, 13 kilos. That was, I knew that I'd hit a condition by about 85, 84. Yeah, I think that's almost like at your level especially almost a good thing psychologically because you, you know that you haven't got a world of weight to lose so there's no sort of like drastic drop in performance level in the gym because you haven't got this you know 30 like 20 kilos to drop or something like that you know you see a lot of competitors it's not that uncommon for someone to lose 40 pounds in a contest prep and you know you've yeah. got to look at that and sort of start to think whether that's really necessary or not huge performance drops you know and and like like you said, you know, your food at the moment is at such a great level. I think people should take into context how that's that's partly because you, you actually set yourself up for that kind of success. You know, you've allowed the time to, to get really sensitive to nutrients, push them back up a little bit and almost slow the rate of fat loss. So, yeah, it sounds obviously like, you know, you're chasing... You're chasing professionalism and you're acting in the way that you want to do that, you know, um, and that that's evident in your approach. So to sort of like wrap things up a little bit, um, I know that you've got plans for to do both finals, I presume. And yeah. what obviously what would you say is, is the main goal out of this year? Like what what is it that you want to almost redeem yourself for in, in 2016? And what are you really chasing at both these British finals? Um, it is the top spot, unfortunately. I, I don't like to be um, so, I suppose, goal-orientated. You know, it's about comp competition. It's about bringing the best package. And I love the whole kind of understanding my body and cool. seeing yeah. what group I can make. But I've been bridesmaid too many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I was, I was over the moon to win the BNBF uh, heavyweight to say I've got four second place trophies for that I was sitting on my mantelpiece and it just you know every single time it's like oh, what do I need to win that one yeah. I've got two second place trophies from the heavyweight so again it's just with uh, it was one point that was in it last year between me and Adrian Simpson and I'm not going to lie I was absolutely devastated yeah. I, yeah. I was um, I was in floods of tears afterwards I know that sounds a little bit wussy but I was just I, I put my heart and yeah, soul yeah, into yeah. it. Yeah, understandable. And, um, and I just, you know, it gets to the point where I want that top spot. Um, yeah. and, and I'll do what I have to do. And it, a pro status would be amazing. Mm. Um, absolutely. And if I could get that, uh, yeah, I would be over the moon with that. And it would be amazing for my business as well. You know, that sort of stuff is, you win things, it's great for business. But as a personal goal, you know, I just, I feel like I just, I'm so close. I've got to win that top spot now. So ideally, I'd love to have both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to have a crack at that overall. Uh, you know, the world finals are amazing as well. I've done well in those. I was, I've been second and fourth in the worlds. Um, get close to it all. It's just so close within my grasp. That's what I, I want to be able to achieve. So definitely, yeah, they're my uh, my goals Absolutely. this year. 
Yeah, they they make total sense, and you know the whole thing about getting emotional about it is just shows how much you care and how much passion you pour into the sport. And you know when you do that, you you, you are gonna definitely come up with a lot of success, I think, because um, a lot of people do it potentially for the wrong reasons and don't yeah. show passion when they when they don't get what they want, and that's maybe a sign that they're they're not in the right place. But in terms of what what you're gonna bring to these shows, the finals. Um, what would you say upon analysis of your qualifiers is the the stuff that you kind of need to improve on going into sort of October and September for for both the finals? Um, so, what I've tried to do over the years is, is I mean, it's so difficult with natural bodybuilding what's achievable, especially when you're trying to retain mass as well. Mm. It's that balance of mass, fullness, and condition. I know that I've seen some guys and they come in and they've just got this ultimate condition. Actually, I remember, I think your world's pictures, and you were absolutely dice. <laughs> Thanks, man. And, it, and for me, it's trying to get that totally peeled look, but, you know, on a, on a, a 190 pound frame, uh, or whatever it is, I don't know, pounds or kilos. Yeah. Uh, and just, every single year, I could, say, oh, I could have been a bit leaner, um, I could have, you know, those body parts weren't great, so I've, I've worked hard on trying to pick up body parts. I've worked hard on trying to pose to hide some slightly overly dominant body parts. Um, I can, obviously, I've always been a little bit leg heavy and that can, uh, can skew my shape. So I've been working hard to not make that look uh, as dominant. Sure. Uh, the one thing that I have realized about myself that I can't control is that I am not the most aesthetic person out there. I know that there are some lovely sweeping bodies that just have these minuscule waists and they kind of go in and out. Um, and I am blockier. I am, you okay. know, I have square pecs and quite wide collarbones that kind of goes into a relatively thick waist. Yep. I don't know if arse is square when I look at it from behind. So I always feel like I'm a bit made of Lego. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> so in my... Uh, in my posing is trying to disguise a little bit of that as well so the things I can control I can control my leanness I can control my fullness I can certainly control my tan which has let me down a few times I can't stand the stuff yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and control my posing is to try to make myself look as aesthetic as possible so for me I mean, but, I mean condition is probably uh, by and large, the, the biggest factor for me. If I can nail my conditioning, I think I should be pretty competitive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with the the conditioning standpoint, and I'd say, I'd say from my perspective, like you know, and I'm sure the judges' perspective as well. I think, you know, the amount of tissue that you do have built upon the physique, it just like some of the shots. Obviously, like the master who beat you in the overall at BMBF, like probably the only reason he got ahead of you was because of just shape, lines, symmetry, proportion. Like, you know, I think, I think, you know, and you do have some like, obviously your quads, you know, standout body parts that are just wacky and look ridiculous on stage um, and grab anyone's eyes. But yeah, I'll definitely be excited to see what you bring to both the finals. I'll be at both and I'm sure plenty of people listening to this will be there also. And probably there's a few heavyweights listening to this uh, shitting themselves as well. So, <laughs> so um, it will definitely be be a good showdown. There's some awesome physiques in, in that lineup, and there always is. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure lots of people will be excited for that. So um, final sort of thing, 
um, anywhere that people can follow you or or like also mention your gym whereabouts is it located um, uh, so, so people can I'm come down. in a place called Shepparton it's on the it's kind of southwest M25 that okay. kind of region uh, just within it uh, in Surrey uh, it's called Fat Arms Gym mm-hmm. uh, a bit of an ironic name if you're bothered about it I'll tell you one day but it, yeah it's just uh, no I've never been particularly fat uh, <laughs> I'm on uh, Insta and Facebook but Group uh, Facebook as like Fat Owls Gym Coach or something like okay. that. And it's relatively easy to find if you put that in. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's very much a uh, a traditional gym. It's not a bodybuilding gym. Sure. I don't label it like that. But it's certainly not like a health clubby kind of like everyone's cup of tea because it has quite a masculine energy to it. Yeah, and it's traditional. I've got, I've got some kids probably out with a new man. I've got some signature <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, like a barn fire, like I think that. And they're phenomenal. But yeah. I think they're probably 25 years old. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, have great stuff and nice big dumbbells and things. Uh, it's a cool place to, to come out and train. And it's certainly, we definitely support people here who want to be bodybuilders. And yeah, to be fair, you know, I've got a handful of people that have competed through me via this gym and, and I've done very quickly. Uh, Luke Austin being one of them he trains down here. Yeah, he's epic. Yeah. I've trained him partner again. He's he's on his uh his onslaught of the lightweights this year. Um, yeah. you know, you can find him. There's a few other people that come and do bodybuilding as well. It's, I want it to be, you know, sort of a little bit like uh, the Body Academy which is uh, the BMBF's kind of gym where, where Vicky is. It's a place where people can come to excel at that particular thing if yes. you want to do that sort of where there is the support network and it's becoming a bit like that natural guys to uh, many gyms that have a lot of uh, assisted guys that are in there yeah. and the dynamic change so uh, yeah, my gym's a little bit more um, probably natty friendly and, and people who want to do that sort of thing do start seeking this place out sure that's great. Yeah, it's all about having sort of like a positive community. Um, I, I know I've been having trained in a few gyms that the community aspect of it is huge. Um, you know, yeah. just ha- having people that you can relate to in there and obviously with a, a few naturals like you and Luke in there, I think for any natural athlete, that's uh, that's an amazing environment. So awesome stuff. Um, we will leave it there for today. And obviously any listeners that, that do sort of want to follow Ali, make sure you do. Um, plenty of exciting things left to happen for the rest of the year and thank you very much for for listening to the episode we'll be back again next week hopefully with with another athlete and uh yeah i'll chat to you guys soon see you in a bit bye thanks